Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. It was years of stress and grinding. I mean, I I spent about a decade after the bankruptcy just keeping myself in total poverty. I look back on my amazing creativity and keeping myself poor in those years. Like I really killed it in that capacity. (laughs) But it was because I felt like I didn't deserve more and I couldn't I could I couldn't be trusted with more. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Life always has a way of dishing up curveballs, especially when it comes to money. Financial catastrophes and trauma are something that most of us were just going to have to deal with in some way or another during our life. But the question is, what comes after the catastrophe? How do you find your way back to a place of joy again? Well, our guest, Quinn O'Brien, she knows a thing or two about financial catastrophes and the flip side, finding that joy. To me, joy and money are actually deeply intertwined because, um, first of all, 
having the money that you need to activate your purpose is what is like the most joyful thing. At 28, Quinn marched into a San Francisco courtroom, told a judge she couldn't pay her debts and filed for bankruptcy. It took her years to shake the feeling of poverty and to overcome her negative money mindset. But once she found her way through, she became what she calls a joy boss and launched the joy and money, joy-based business and joyful entrepreneur programs to help everyone find life again after a financial catastrophe. So in this episode, Quinn shares her money story, the lessons she learned during bankruptcy, and gives you a roadmap for making your way through catastrophes and trauma to find a place of joy. All right, let's start talking. We're going to dive into some kind of heavy topics today. I want to start out with with a with a story kind of dropping people into a, a scene of your life. You were you were 28 when you walked into the San Francisco courtroom and told the judge that, you know, you just couldn't pay your debts and that, you know, you wanted to file bankruptcy. But you say also that bankruptcy was was a relief from this kind of huge financial trauma. So I want I want to start there start there and kind of unpack this yeah. all. You know, how did you grapple with, you know, the emotions of of that day and, you know, kind of what it would mean to you in your in your financial journey? You know, I think what would be telling much later is that I did not grapple with the emotions at all. In fact, I don't remember that day very clearly. Um, wow. But I mean, I know it happened. <laughs> There's a public record somewhere. <laughs> it happened. Um, but, but what struck me, what stuck with me was all that led up to it. So if you like, I can tell you that story. Yeah, please. Like, yeah, tell me how, like, you know, how did you get yeah. to that, to that moment in time? Well, I was the cutest little 26 year old working two jobs and saving up for a house. And um, I found the cute little house in Atlanta. Uh, my friend and I bought houses near each other right down the street. And, um, you know, we were just so pleased with ourselves. I was a newspaper reporter at the time and I had a little side hustle doing marketing copy. And so that was how I was able to save up for this. And we bought our houses and they were just adorable. And we moved in and we lived down the street from each other for a little while. And then I had some other things I wanted to pursue in San Francisco. And so, um, so I left and I rented out the house to another friend. And everything went absolutely to shit. Um, my friend who rented from me woke up in the night to find a man in her bedroom. And she, I mean, she basically fled. Um, and I supported her. I was yeah. like, you know, out you go. <laughs> like, you, you should not stay in the house. But what we found out is that there was really kind of one guy holding down the neighborhood. And he had died. And crime had just proliferated as a you know, will and in, in pockets of, of cities sometimes, but it, it hadn't been a problem before. And, um, and so I'm not there, but I also can't come back because my house isn't safe. And um, looters came and they stripped, they stripped everything. They took the appliances, they stripped out the wiring. My wow. property manager found crack pipes and, you know, paraphernalia. I couldn't keep people out no matter what I did. Um, Meanwhile, my car that I was also proud of turned out to be a total lemon. And, and also 9-11 happened. Um, so we hit this big recession. So all these things are sort of happening around the same time. And 
Uh, so I'm out in California. I'm, I'm working, um, literally selling makeup, even though I had been, you know, prof- had a professional job, but all I could get was this job selling cosmetics. And I was doing that and I was paying rent in San Francisco and I was trying to pay this mortgage in Atlanta and figure out, oh my God, what am I going to do? And my sweet dad uh, paid for me to come visit and he gave me a book and it's called Bankruptcy for Dummies, but he covered it with like, you know how they used to do like the grocery bags? He covered it. Oh yeah. He covered it so I could read it on the plane, but not feel embarrassed. Which is just precious. So, you know, I I decided that that was probably the best thing to do. Um, But the the stress, the unbelievable stress leading up to that and the sense of failure and the sort of impending like, oh, my God, you know, everything that I tried to do and thought was like the right thing. This is how you be a successful young adult, you know, had just collapsed. And I know that this has happened to many, many other people. So. So by the time I walked into that courtroom, um, I was I was relieved. I was glad to be out from under things that that I couldn't control. But I think what I didn't understand was was the longer term impact of that experience. Yeah, I went through a, a scenario. I call it a scenario, but it was it was a pretty impactful you know time in my life where in my early thirties, I got divorced. And, um, at that time my ex-husband wasn't working. And so all the financial responsibility kind of fell on myself. I was living in an estate in California where, um, you know, a judge pretty much just looks at, you know, who's making money and, um, you know, kind of dictates that the other person should get X amount Mm -hmm. of money. And I, you know, had to make a tough decision to basically walk away from every single asset that I had. I walked away from a house. I walked away from all the belongings in the house. Um, All I had with me was a blue suitcase that I just kind of, you know, jammed, packed with any any clothes I could get in my closet and a car that had a really big uh, payment on it. We just bought the car. I mean, it was it was ludicrous. And, you know, at that time I I was thinking that this was like the worst thing in the world and I was a money expert. So like, how dare I let this thing happen to me? And then who am I to actually help anybody else with their money if this is the scenario that I was in? But I'm thinking, you know, just, just like I, you know, I learned myself and you probably learned this as well, that these, you know, financial catastrophes, trauma, whatever you want to call them, they kind of happen to all of us in like varying different degrees and and there are a lot of lessons that I think you learn. I mean, I I learned that actually I am the right person to help people with their money because I actually have been through something very traumatic and had to like sort of figure my way through. So, you know, how do you how do you speak to, you know, somebody listening who might be, you know, going through some sort of big moment like this whether it's bankruptcy or or something else? Like how do they f- figure out how to get to the other side? Yeah, great question. And and also maybe even assess like what other side do you want to get to? Like what, what would a good future look like for you? Um, so absolutely. So I've created this course. It's called joy and money mindset. I'm obsessed with joy, um, but I'm also obsessed with money. <laughs> and the reason is that it took me a long time to put these, put all these pieces together afterward. And it was years of stress and grinding. I mean, I, I spent about a decade after the bankruptcy, just keeping myself in total poverty. 
Um, I look back on my amazing creativity and keeping myself poor in those years. Like I really killed it in that capacity, <laughs> but it was because I felt like I didn't deserve more and I couldn't, I could, I couldn't be trusted with more because wow. of what had happened. So, um, so I did a lot of different things, you know, from, from therapy to workbooks to everything I could think of to try to go like, how do I get on to another side of this? And what I learned um, is that a lot of it for me, there are practical tools, tools that are incredibly important and helpful. I don't discount that at all. But for me, a lot of it was that I had to heal my relationship with money because I felt that money had betrayed me and I felt that I had failed. And until I could understand those things and heal those things, I couldn't move past it. Um, but then, you know, fast forward to now, like my financial picture has changed so much that um, one thing I say is like, I just wish I could hug myself then and say, it's going to be okay. Like if I could have just fast forwarded to her and said, you, you are going to figure this out and you don't have to figure it out in a cookie cutter way. Like you can be authentically you and still figure out how to make a nice juicy living and actually enjoy it, not feel that grinding stress all the time, which I very much did. I bet you know. <laughs> yeah, I think you make a really good point, though, that like saying that you you kept yourself in this poverty place and you kept yourself feeling like, well, this is all I deserve mm-hmm. because I, you know, I had to file bankruptcy. And I, I wonder, you know, how many people listening are probably shaking their heads like that they agree that, you know, it's like it's like you stay stuck kind of in this trauma, you stay stuck in this wound and how much more damage do we do to ourselves financially in these places and and just how hard it is to to admit that yeah. to yourself and to say, you know what, I'm going to actually take the other path now because that's what I deserve and this was just like a moment in time yes. for me. I vividly remember sitting in a therapy session and my therapist said to me, what if you had $30,000 in savings, just savings? And I literally could not imagine that. And I didn't want it even if I had it. Because the thought was, if I have $30,000, I should spend it on something. Because I know that my attempts at investing at, you know, providing for my future have failed. And it's, it's a, it's a, a strange thing to say out loud, but I think a lot of us feel that, you know, you go through something that's so, such a gut punch and then take it on for yourself. So yeah, I did way more damage than the bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're laughing about it, but it's like, true. it's so, it's so true. And I think that's what's so complex yeah. and complicated about money and certainly something that, you know, I'm, I'm passionate yeah. about and talk about, you know, a lot on this show. Like I was you know, working financial planner for years and years. And I would just, you know, scratch my head. Like, why are people not making change? Like I've just, you know, kind of given on a a platter to them, the steps that we need to take, like I'm here with them, I'm handholding. And, you know, it was really like aha moment when I realized like, oh, what we really have to work on is all of these complex issues and how we think about money and how we were raised Mm -hmm. and all of the societal gunk, you know, that, that surrounds money and really then even look at like your brain and how, how do you 
how do you decide to make change and what does that look like and what needs to change internally? And it was just sort of like blew my mind. And I, you know, started to use these like tips and techniques and things I was, I was thinking about and learning like on myself. And I was like, God, like most money experts out there aren't talking about this stuff. So, you know, they're just looking at somebody like yourself and saying like, oh, you were in bankruptcy, your credit probably got screwed and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things. And, you know, here are the, the money steps you need to take. But that's not actually helping you heal and get better and and make you know a, a different life going forward. And I'm also kind of thinking about this conversation, and I, I think it would be really remiss to to not talk about kind of the unfair um, money system you know that we that we live in, whether it's you know uh, the pay gaps or gender inequality and blatant racism, like yeah. we've had like redlining through the years, and just so much more that kind of keeps the economic divide happening and also makes bankruptcy like a very real option for just so yeah. many people because it's kind of the only way the only way out you know what do you think about you know kind of all of these societal issues that come along with money that that i think further um I don't know that make these financial catastrophes just happening more yeah. and more. Um, I think about this all the time and I think we are all trying to survive soul crushing capitalism. It's horrible what it does to people. And I I don't say that because I have another system figured out, but I do say it because I think it's very important to understand that we live in a system that doesn't work very well. And so when things go sideways, like they did for me, um, it's very rare that there's any help or any recourse. Bankruptcy is the recourse. It is the solution for for most people. And yet it comes with this incredible weight of shame and failure, disappointment. Um, And so I think, and and I'm queer and out and have been for a long time, and I'm a a cis woman. And I think that um, for some of us in this world, the layers are just extra heavy, right? And some folks are going to have, you know, a family member who can help them out or somebody who can uh, point you point you in the right direction. In fact, my dad helped me, didn't he? He couldn't give me money and I know it killed yeah. him that um, he couldn't. But but he did try to he did point me in a direction, you know, rather than watch me completely drown. Um, but I think. One of the things we have to unpack is shame and how it functions and how it keeps us feeling that we've done something wrong instead of feeling like, you know what, something wrong happened uh, to me and maybe I contributed. Let let me be honest about that. I'll be accountable about my parts, right? Um, But also let's be clear (laughs) that it shouldn't have happened. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding? or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical. If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, they release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. 
And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. I wonder if you could just walk us through a little bit of kind of the process of bankruptcy because I know for a lot of people it's it's scary. Your dad handed you this book, <laughs> you know, cleverly disguised so you didn't have to, you know, show anybody that this is what you were learning about. For for I know a lot of people listening, like even the thought of of you know ordering a book like that or going to a, a bookstore and buying something like that, that just is is like sheer panic and you know, when you're in like these moments of catastrophe and you're trying to find your way out, I know that you you just like, you can't even think straight. So, you know, can you walk us through a little bit, the process and like what somebody should be thinking about if, if they're looking at that as an Mm -hmm. option? Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I realized later is that I probably didn't need to declare bankruptcy. I went to see a bankruptcy attorney and, you know, you got a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. right? <laughs> <laughs> right um, yeah. And so I probably didn't need to do that. But I, I would suggest getting really good advice. And I think one thing that happens when you're drowning is that, um, oh, there's another guest on your podcast who talked about this so beautifully, like how hard it is to get the help that you need. Um, but you need a lawyer. Um, and there are ways that you can pay your lawyer, um, but trying to navigate this by yourself um, without any professional advice is really tough. And in the stressed um, state that you're in, you know, your brain's not working at its top capacity. You're not thinking as creatively or as clearly as you normally would. So I'd say finding really trusted help and, you know, hopefully somebody who can step back and look at the big picture and say, well, actually, here's another way or bankruptcy is the right thing for you. The other thing um, that is really, really important is to get emotional support and talk about it with people. Not everybody's going to get it. Some people are going to be awful. So don't talk to them. Leave them alone. <laughs> Don't mention your plans. But you know, there's groups online. Um, I offer some things in my in my courses. We we meet every week. Like you can find people that you can actually talk to, and um, you you need that because one of the things that um, made it tough to get through it was the feeling that if I tell anybody about this, they will they will put their judgment on me. Now, in a very practical sense. It is so easy. It is insanely easy to declare bankruptcy. You go, la, 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 sign some things. You make a list of all the bills that you cannot pay. There are some things that are excluded. But, you know, for, for me, that was the house and the car was really the, the issue. Um, and those are, those are fine for a bankruptcy. And um, your lawyer tells you when to go to court. You go to court. It's quick. 
Um, everybody has to do it. So it's not like they're singling you out or anything. It's just a, it's a formality. Um, and then your debts are discharged and that part is awesome. <laughs> that part's incredible. <laughs> um, I bet, right? you know, and that is really this beautiful liminal moment when you can change everything. Um, I, I think with, with some support and also a lot of self-awareness about what you've just been through. Because it's, whoever is hearing this right now, I know it's been awful. I know. But you actually do have a fresh start now. And if you can approach it, leave all the, all the shame and feelings of failure behind with the bankruptcy, like the world's your oyster. I make a ton of money now. I live in a huge house. It's so cool. <laughs> and I never would have thought that was going to happen. Uh, you know, when I'm just literally smoking a cigarette on my friends too, watching them just take my car. Yeah. So I've got two follow-up questions. So you said, one, you said that in hindsight, you realized that you probably didn't need to file yeah. bankruptcy. So like, what would have been the other option in that scenario? Well, I think I could have um, foreclosed on the house. Instead, I could have simply returned the car to CarMax, which is where I bought it, um, and probably worked out some kind of a deal with them where I could, you know, pay down, pay the remainder. I was actually living in San Francisco, so I didn't really need a car um, at that point. So I think I could have paid it all. I, I think I could have gotten rid of the house and the rest of it I could have managed over time. Um, but again, with all the stress and the trauma, everything felt so insurmountable that parsing through details like that was just not something I could do. Not happening. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You said it's like so easy to, to file mm -hmm. bankruptcy, which is kind of scary, I guess, in, in, right. one, in one sense. But tell me about like the backside of it, like financially, what happens to you on the other side? After that moment of like just sheer relief that that all of the you know debt yeah. is gone, what kind of follows that though? Uh, interestingly, several credit card offers. I'm not really. Kidding. People can't wait to give you a credit wow. card because you can't declare bankruptcy again for whatever it is seven ten years. I don't I don't know what it is now, um, but I was very surprised to receive a number of loan offers almost immediately. Um. There's something, yeah, there's something very wrong with <laughs> Right? It's crazy. Yes. Um, nothing bad happens to you. Um, the only thing that was tough was I was living in a place that just had a really tight rental market. And um, so when I would go to try to rent an apartment, and I was constantly moving because like, you know, Layla wants to move in or this happens, that happens. And um, I would fill out the form and tell that I don't remember what my credit score was, but it wasn't good. And you have to disclose the bankruptcy, you know? And so um, I would talk with them. Uh, I'd have to talk about it. I'd have to talk about it. And I didn't want to talk about it. I certainly didn't want to tell this person who owns a million dollar house in San Francisco uh, that, you know, that I had to do this thing. Um, so that was, that was rough. Um, but I did always get an, ap an apartment and I will say, I think my white privilege had a lot to do with that. So I don't want to discount that situation. Um, but I did find that generally if I talked to people and showed them who I am um, and I, 
you know, I taught at a community college, like it was real, <laughs> like so wholesome, right? <laughs> like, well, and I had to declare bankruptcy and they're kind of, you know, they would understand. And I don't think anybody ever actually turned me down. I mean, I, thank God, I always have a roof over my head. Um, so there's that. And then at the time, my understanding was that it was going to be seven years and then they changed the law and it became 10. So I was like, that's a mean trick. Um, so it was 10 years of bad credit and having to make these explanations to everybody if every time I wanted to do something. Um, and I was fortunate to have a partner at the time who had good credit and helped me um, help like co-signed on a car and things like that. Um, and then, you know, 10 years passes. Um, but it was really that full 10 years that not only, um, you know, was I experiencing those things with the bankruptcy, but that I also continually chose, um, you know, I had a college degree and a master's degree by this point, but I continually chose like $14 an hour jobs. Um, and also living in a city that's incredibly expensive, um, Looking back on it, I would say as a means of keeping myself from having to experience a bankruptcy again. Um, but at the time, it just felt like mind-boggling stress all the time, especially every time rent was due. So how did you then, how did you decide to flip things and change your relationship with money? Like, was there a magical like aha moment? I feel like there were a lot of them. So I'll tell you a couple. Um a couple, a couple of years after the bankruptcy, I mean, it was obvious that things were not going great, you know, and I got really curious about this idea of manifesting money and, and the secret I think came out around then. And so I got curious about that and I started reading books about it and I would um, do all the workbooks in the back, you know, and, and do all the affirmations and I'd carry them and say, carry it around your purse. So I'd carry them in my purse and read them, you know, and it did work. Um, and I, um, I now teach something I call manifesting for skeptics. You don't have to believe in the spiritual side of it to get manifesting to work. Actually, there's a mechanism. Um, but yeah, what, what's the secret? Like, I don't want to interrupt um, your story, but like, what is the secret to manifesting? Oh, it's, um, it's the same mechanism where like, if you say to yourself, I'm going to buy a Subaru and you go and you talk to all your friends about it and you test drive one and you read all the consumer reports and then you're out on the road and you're like, Oh my God, every car is a Subaru. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. that's a nutshell version of it, but that's, it's that mechanism. It's changing your brain so that you think about things different and you see, you see the opportunities in front of you differently and then you engage with them differently. Yeah. So in a nutshell. Dang. So like how, how do you do that if, um, I'm going yeah, off a tangent go. here, but how do you do that if, um, let's say you, you know, you, you want to increase your, your income or you want to, you know, bring more people to your course or you want to, I don't know, you know, it could yeah. be anything you want to get a raise at work. Like, how do you, how do you use a manifesting to like actually bring about more money? Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is get a lot of clarity about, your purpose and your intention with this money, right? So um, it could be something just very straightforward. Like I would like to buy a house. <laughs> That's fine. If you actually care about it and you feel, you gotta, you gotta feel it. You gotta really feel it. Um, so you want to get clear on that. And then visioning really helps, but it's not, it's not magic. I don't think 
I think the reason visioning helps is that your brain starts to create a path there unconsciously. So if you're envisioning yourself poor, your brain is continually create, sending you down that path and other factors may be too, to be clear. But if you have created a vision of wealth or ease, ease is better than wealth, actually. <laughs> Most people resonate with that better. Um, if you, you create ease and joy, that's my jam, um, and like a, a f- certain feeling in your body of just being like grounded and okay. Like if that's what you are envisioning for your future, your mind is going to do things to try to try to create it. So we humans, our brains are taking in an enormous amount of information all the time, all the time, but we have to edit it out. It's too much, right? If we actually took in all the information in front of us all the time, we would just be catatonic. We couldn't process it. So there's filters on. So part of what you're doing with manifesting and with these processes is to try to shift the filters so you can see things differently. When I was keeping myself in scarcity, I couldn't see $100,000 a year jobs. They didn't exist in my reality. They were not for me. I knew that some people had them, but those people in my mind were different from me and not a person who could have those. Um, so once I started to see myself differently, I then started to both intentionally and unintentionally take steps to create that new reality. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away. And back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And do you think this could work for anybody to, to shift their thinking yeah. and their relationship with money? You know, regardless of, you know, we talked about some of the sort of unfair economic um, societal situations that people are in, you know, can, can they use this way of thinking to change circumstances, even if they have absolutely no like imprint for what that might look like? Yeah. Um, I think so. There may be exceptions. I mean, there's always some exception somewhere. Um, but, but I do think that there is more out there and available to almost all of us than we are aware of. Um, and I, I also think that once, your mind begins to shift, you start to engage curiosity, which is one of the most powerful things we've got. Curiosity and empathy are like, you know, the big, the big one. That's my word of the year, curiosity. Yes. I love that word. Cool. Um, (laughs) So when I heard you talking about empathy on another episode, anyway, um, 
So once you start to engage curiosity, you, you want to learn things. You want to find out like, well, what, what could I do? Like, is there some training? And I, I don't think that most of us can go from, you know, zero to extraordinary wealth very quickly. I, I don't think that that's realistic to do that fast because we don't have the tools for it and emotionally get really overwhelmed. Um, but, but you can take steps and stages to go, okay, well, how could I, uh, let me, let me tune myself. Let me shift my mindset so that I'm ready to receive opportunities for like an extra hundred bucks a month. Do I see that in my path anywhere? And then you grow because you can expand, you know, you get practice at it, you get good at it, and then you can start to do it. So like now if I want to manifest something, I'll, I'll just be like, well, you know, I'm thinking like, um, I need like $30,000 to do this thing I want to do. And, and I'll find it, you know, it, it will come because it's generally available. It's just that I haven't seen it yet. So I have to like scope it out, but it's coming. We had a guest on the show uh, a few months ago and she was talking about this idea that money is out there looking Mm -hmm. for you and like what a big kind of switch that is for most people. And especially if you're in trauma or you've had, you know, some sort of financial catastrophe, Mm -hmm. this idea that, that money is out there just kind of waiting for you. And I think that's just so different. You mentioned scarcity. Like we just, we're like inundated with scarcity messages all around yeah. us. So it's really easy to just lean into like, no, never going to have enough. Er, you know, the, the train's going to come off the tracks at any moment in time. I know I have a, a terrible, you know, thought pattern that thinks that all yeah. the time. And I'm like, where does this come from? I don't even know where this comes from. I and I spend so much time like trying to dissect that. But I, I love this idea that you know, it's just kind of out there um, waiting for you to find it. And I think that that leads me into to something else I want to talk to you about, this idea of yes. joy, this idea of, of combining joy and money together and that um, those two things, you know, can coexist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how, how do you, like, how do you bring joy and money together? Like, what does that even <laughs> look like to have joy? I know people money? think of those as opposites, but they're not at all. Um, well, you know, joy is, joy is not pleasure or fun or happiness. Those are all wonderful things, but joy is like deep. It goes deep. You know, it is tied in with purpose and meaning in a way, um, that other sort of forms of, of happiness are not necessarily. And so to me, joy and money are actually deeply intertwined because, um, First of all, having the money that you need to activate your purpose is what is like the most joyful thing, right? Because when you when you feel that sense of that what you're doing in the world is the thing that you are meant to do, or you were everything in your life leads you to this, which is by the way exactly how I feel right this minute. There's this, this deep joy, and it's not like uh, you know light and giggly, but like um, and it, it's in the body, like there's an embodied experience of joy um, that comes when money gets aligned in a way where it's tied in with your purpose. So um, I pursue money joy (laughs) as a, as an antidote to money fear. And also I think that it is 
joy to me is also tied in with grief. So yeah. Okay. So if you don't feel grief, you can't really feel joy. Oh, you have to develop the capacity for the grief so that you can develop the capacity for the joy. And one of the things that was holding me back and that I see holds a lot of people back is that we haven't grieved what we lost. Um, We haven't grieved the image of ourselves, the house that we had, the marriage that we had, all those things. And so without that grief, we cannot feel the joy. But joy is, is, I believe, how the universe tells us we're going in the right direction. When you feel that real sense of joy, you are on the right track, girl. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. I get that feeling yeah. a lot, a lot these days. Yeah. It, it, what are some of the sort of like toxic money beliefs that just rob us of our joy that we let kind of get in the way of us, you know, experiencing? Thank these? you for asking. you're like all right here we go here we go actually um i have a free webinar out on this um and folks are welcome to go look me up and find it it's it's no strings attached just free but um there are a lot of toxic beliefs that are very common so um one is i'm a failure with money or the another version is i'm bad with money i'm bad at money um a lot of people think that, and, and it's um, it's a trauma thing that you, you gather the negative evidence. So you could say, well, I declared bankruptcy, therefore I'm bad at money. But you could also interpret it that um, I am good with money, so I declared bankruptcy to clear the slate for myself because I saw what needed to happen and I took care of business. That's a boss, right? Um, I can't be trusted with money. That was my big one, um, and it's a big one for a lot of people. Um, That if I have money, I will not do the right things with it. And so it's better if I don't have any money. Um, Wow. Yeah. yeah, That's an icky one, isn't it? Yeah, that feels icky, but it feels very relatable. Well, let me tell you something. So that icky feeling, that's how you know it's a toxic belief, right? So the thing to do, the trick is to find a new belief that actually pings the joy, right? So if I instead say, I can be trusted with a lot of money and I know that I'm going to make good decisions with it. I even know that I can make a few mistakes and it's going to be okay. Now that I feel joy when I think, think those thoughts, right? I, and I'm not about the pie in the sky. Like I'm not saying that $5 million needs to rain down on your head, but I'm saying like you can be trusted with, another hundred dollars a month with a thousand dollars a month, whatever it is that would like really make a difference. Once you experience that, you intentionally reinforce that belief. And then that belief becomes your reality. I'm a person who can be trusted with money. So money just comes to me. It just keeps coming, flying off the shelves at me. (laughs) It's funny that you're, you're talking about this because I'm, I'm writing a book and I'm, uh, talking about this idea that our brain creates these templates and it's usually templates of something negative. It's usually a negative belief and, you know, something negative that happened and our brain can't separate, our brain doesn't know timeline. So it thinks like we are still currently in that trauma, that catastrophe, that belief, 
whatever it might be. And so anytime any little bit of evidence kind of comes at us, we're like, yeah. oh, yep, absolutely. Can't be trusted money. Can't, I'm not good at money. And we just keep running this template and that it actually takes work, like what you're talking about, to rewrite that template or to create a whole other template. And after you do this, you know, like you're saying, you know, you kind of flip it to the positive and this may seem like really ridiculous <laughs> and like this, this doesn't work, but our brain starts to remember then that positive messaging. Yes. And it's just crazy what actually then happens as a result of that. Like, it's just, you know, I know that I've personally experienced it. You've experienced it. I wish everybody listening could experience it, you know, even just for like an exercise, <laughs> you know, shits and giggles, like give it a try for 30 days and like see what can yeah. happen. But, you know, somehow we have to get in there and we have to change that template. Otherwise, our brain is just going to continue to run the same cycle over and over again. And I think that's how most of us just stay in this place of money is hard. I don't know what yeah. to do. I'm never going to figure it out. I, I don't deserve money. I, you know, it's I can't just talk about this it. This loop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I love that you pointed out how ridiculous it can feel because we're like, you know, we're grown people. We're serious people. <laughs> we're not going to sit around writing in a workbook. I can be trusted with money. <laughs> but it does work because your brain doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know the difference between the workbook and the reality. And if reality has sent you a bunch of signals that you've taken in as, you know, my own failure, et cetera, um, then then you, you have to rewrite the script. Um, another great technique is, is money story, which I, I know is something that you uh, have also are interested in, but um, like excavating what your story is, but also writing a new one so that your brain has something to follow. <laughs> like it can't just, uh, you can't just be like, guess what? It's going to be different. You have to give it the new pattern. You're like setting, yeah. Yeah. Do you have like, do you have like an example of, of like how you would actually rewrite a story? Oh yeah. I've rewritten my story so many times. I'll this actually ties into an earlier question that you asked me. Uh, like when did things really change? And um, so I was, you know, just struggle busting along and um, I decided, but I had been practicing manifesting and I was getting better at it. I could feel, you know, my skills were improving. I'm like learning to do this stuff, I'm starting to think differently about things, but it's still, you know, it's still like 10 years out from the bankruptcy. And um, I decided to envision myself as a person who made the most amount of money I could imagine, which was $60,000. Like the thought of any human being having a salary higher than 60,000 was just like wild to me at that time. Um, but I was, I, I decided to imagine what that would be like. And I started thinking to myself, like, I could be, I'm a person who like makes this, what was in my mind, a good salary. Um, and it is a good salary. It's not great in San Francisco. Like it's not, <laughs> the cost of living is a big factor here in Georgia. You know, it's a different story, but, uh, which is where I'm located now. But, um, but anyway, so I started to think about myself like that. And I started to get really intentional um, about that. And and I, I got a job within like six months that paid exactly $60,000. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, and then um, a few years later, I was like, what if I made like $200,000? And then I got that job. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I want to be clear, it, it was not, it seems like magic, but it wasn't magic. What happened is that I envisioned a potential reality and my unconscious, which like yours and everyone's unconscious is incredibly powerful and writes all the scripts for our lives, went out and was like, let's find Quinn a $200,000 job. <laughs> Where would we look? Would we look at Google? Maybe. So, you know, I worked at Google for a bunch of years um, and, and exceeded that number. So, um, so my unconscious did the, did a lot of the like heavy lifting for me of like, okay, well, let's go talk to this person. Let's go investigate this possibility. Um, and I also want to add for folks who are thinking about this kind of work, like you do have to show up for it. You can't only think about it. You have to do things too, but spinning yourself out in circles is not the way to go. Like, um, you want to do the right things to get you in the direction that you want to go. And by re-envisioning what your future looks like, you can start to sense that and intuit what the, the best next step would be. I just love Quinn's focus on finding joy because I think it could seem really hard to find. No one ever just says, yeah, I'd love to go through a financial catastrophe, but it happens. And from personal experience, I can tell you, you will survive and you can get to a place of joy. So if you're looking for a bit more joy, you can find Quinn's courses at joybasedbusiness.com slash money. She is offering a special coupon code for everyone to get $200 off the course. So just type in the code everyone for $200 off her course. She also has a great free webinar at joybasedbusiness.com slash free. And you can connect with her on TikTok and Instagram at joybossbabe. If you enjoyed this episode, shout it out to five friends right now who are on that journey to try and find a little more joy in their relationship with money. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links that I mentioned in this episode, as well as links to our episode sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days, my friend, for a brand new episode. 